Hello and welcome to the first ever Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. I'm Graham, and I'm here with Jason Dees and Shannon Smith. We're going to talk about Jason's sermon from March 31st about Exodus 20, verses 1 through 6. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing good, Graham. Uh, is it an experiment? This we've, is an experiment. We've never done this before, but we... Shannon, are you over there? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> she's, she's hiding over there. <laughs> well, people ask me all the time... Can you give us some more tools to like people that travel to help us think about these things? We want to meditate on them through the week. And then yesterday in particular, there's like a whole huge part of my sermon that I didn't even get to. And so we said, well, let's just try it. See if people like it. Yeah. And if you were at uh, church yesterday, or I guess on the Sunday, whenever this podcast comes out on the 31st of March, uh, Jason preached on Exodus 21 through 6 and looking at the second um, uh, law given out of the you know Ten Commandments, uh, you shall not make any graven image. And Jason shared some illustrations. Actually, I think Shannon said that she uh, that one of the illustrations actually stood out to her a little bit. Do you want to share a little bit about that, Shannon? Yeah. Well, it wasn't so much about not making any graven image. Obviously, it ties into that. But when he was talking about just the covenantal love, oh sure, um, and how that's you know the love that that God has for us and how it's not based on, you know, I do all these things and, and then he loves me. And he gave an incredible illustration about his daughter and her soccer um, skills. And he was just sharing about how, um, you know, I mean, she did well, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's a great little athlete, but um, but no matter how she did, because apparently there's another little girl on the team that's just amazing. And no matter um, what her performance was like, mm-hmm. it's not going to change how he feels about her when the game is over. It's not like he, if she scores, you know, three or four goals, oh, Emriana, I am so proud of you. I love you so much. Or if she has a bad game, oh, Emriana, um, I'm, I'm going to go over here to this girl who's a little bit better than you. I think I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to ask her if she'll be my daughter. It's not based on, mm-hmm. like, your performance. It's just because Emriana's his daughter. I mean, he loves her because she's his. You know, it has nothing to do with how, how well she plays. He's proud of her no matter. And he tied that into how God God's love for us. And it's not, I mean, he just loves us because he loves us. It's not yeah. based on, you know, our performance. And so I just love the illustration. Being a parent myself, uh, I could totally. Yeah, the the kind of relationship that you have with your kids, I think, is the most natural understanding of covenantal relationship. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, we're supposed to have covenantal relationship with your wife or your husband, but it still feels a little bit marketplace in that there are typically stipulations to get into those relationships, right? right? Like you want to have a pretty or a successful, but your kids, like as soon as you have a child, they are your children and it's not based on performance it's based on the nature of your relationship and that's exactly the kind of love and the reason that we 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 entitled the sermon uh the rule of covenant the rule of covenant is i think that's really what this sermon's about it's it's not about making or not making graven images though i do think there's like that's a part of keeping covenant relationship with god it's mostly about keeping covenant relationship with God and God saying, I want you to know and love me and not some false image that you have of me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And to go, you know, talk a little bit further about that. You talked about Exodus 32, where Aaron and the Israelites create a golden calf. And in fact, they worship the golden calf uh, as if they're worshiping the Lord. Um, we read in Exodus uh, 32, 5, um, 
it's written that tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And of course, they're talking about the golden calf that they had just created and a feast. But they're, but they're worshiping the Lord. So they created this right. idol, yet they are worshiping the Lord with this idol. And so, uh, Jason, you went on to talk about some of the calves that we make right. um, uh, in, in, in our lives. Yeah, one of the things that I said is that the people of Israel there were worshiping God in name, but not in yeah. truth. And I think that is the great problem of the American church. A, a lot of people ascribe things to Jesus or say that they're worshiping Jesus um, or are talking about Jesus, but Jesus is not, right. it's, Je- it's a Jesus of their own imagination. It's a Jesus of their own making. It's an idol. Just like they were giving the calf the name, the yod heh vav the personal name of God, the Hebrew there is is the Hebrew letters yod heh vav which some people have translated Jehovah or Yahweh, but the personal name of God, they were, they were naming this calf yod heh vav the personal name of God, even though, of course, that calf wasn't God. And, and, and it was happening as God was giving this very command, don't make a graven image of me, don't have a false image of me, worship me in truth. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important um, and something that we desperately needed to hear. Uh, and desperately, I need to desperately hear, especially in kind of a confused American church. Yeah. Well, there was a part of the passage that when you and I were talking after the sermon that you didn't actually have time to get to. And this is why we're kind of having this podcast. So tell me a little bit about what you had to kind of leave out of the sermon yet what we still want to talk about and can learn much from. So, yeah, I mean, there's this whole part, and again, I had this whole thing, you know, that I wanted to talk about, about this uh, particular passage. But of course, like at some point, um, you know, I manuscript all my sermons. When they get past eight pages, I know I'm going to go over my time. And I think I did go over about two minutes yesterday. Oh, two minutes. Chaps is here. (laughs) Was it more than that? Six minutes. Six, Six minutes. Oh, gosh. Well, anyway. <laughs> um, so anyway, I went over yesterday, and, and, I, and I even cut out this part. And so, but um, it's this whole part uh, where it talks about, verse 5, it says, You shall not bow down to them or serve them. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. We talked a lot about kind of the meaning of jealousy. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third, third and fourth generation of those who hate me. And so I think the question is, um, what happens to our kids, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, does, is our sin transferred to our children? Um, do, do our children, in a sense, bear the guilt um, because of our sin? And I think that's a question that—and obviously you see this. This is not the only place that you mm-hmm. hear third and fourth generation uh, language in the Old Testament. And I really believe that— the reason this is so important is not so much because there's this like generational curse. It's, it's more because if you are making a graven image, mm. then you're, you are also the one that's in, in charge of, responsible for teaching the truthfulness about God to your children. And so your children are going to do what they see you doing. Um, or your children are going to do worse than what they see you doing. Mm. Um, you know, I always think it's interesting, and this is not, I don't have any particular data except for the, the steep decline of mainline churches versus the 
um, basically flatline of evangelical churches. So I'm not happy about the flatline of evangelical churches. If you look at you know study study data uh, recently, uh, Evan, you know people say Christianity is on the decline. There's the rise of the nuns. Y'all have kind of heard right. this, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and but if you look at it, evangelicals really in that remain consistent at about you know I think like 25 percent of the American population. What, what the steep decline was among was among mainline Protestants. Well, mainline Protestantism, long ago, um, you know, certainly throughout the 20th century, abandoned kind of orthodox Christianity. And so I believe that mostly, and again, I don't have like super scientific data on this, but I'm just, I'm deducing this from what I've seen, from what I've experienced, from people I know, and then from what the data is, seems to be showing, is the children of those people um, are not, if you will, following in their parents' faith. Their, their parents gave way to a false image of God, to a less biblical image of God. And their children oftentimes are just giving up on God altogether. Mm-hmm. Most of the children of a lot of like mainline, what I would say like more liberal Protestant people I know are just agnostics, right? They've kind of taken the next step of saying, well, you know, if that's God, if, if God is, for example, the social movement God, or if God, these are some of the idols that we right, mentioned right, yesterday, right. or maybe if God is the moralism God, but if, if God is something different than the God of revealed scripture, the God of the word of God, the God of the Bible, then I think that a lot of times you see the third and fourth generation just kind of going a whole different way. Um, and I think that should be a warning to us. Sure. Your, your children will do what they see you doing, um, and they will, they will see through... Um, you know, a, a false spirituality. I could so, I could so speak to that. Um, and as you were sharing that, I just um, thought about how I was brought up, amazing parents, so this is not any kind of criticism or whatever, but that whole, the calves that you were talking about, mm-hmm. the whole moralism calf, the self-righteousness, yes, tends yeah, toward legalism, yeah, yeah. fear-based good behavior. I mean, that's me right there. And I did see that in the type of church uh, community that I grew up in and also uh, my parents amazing parents love the Lord please I don't want I'm not that's not a criticism but definitely that just crept in and it was um, it crept into my own life so I loved what you said it's like and I think I, I lived this out I was it was fear-based uh, but you said if my kids if you're looking at this covenant relationship as a you know parent child kind of thing that example if my kids always obeyed me but hated me what good is that I never hate my parents so please don't mm-hmm. take it that way but just if you're just obeying because you're afraid um, that you're you know or you're that you're gonna go to hell or whatever and you're just obeying um, and and you're living in under that fear then where's the, what good is that I mean well where is a, the love, a lot of know? my friends that grew up in that kind of setting did also reject the faith mm-hmm. of their parents right right now some of those folks have come back to faith mm-hmm. um, and they've come back to I would say actually a more biblical faith the Bible's actually restored their faith but a lot of those people spent years in just great rebellion uh, against God and they couldn't piece together um, a God that really loved them because that's mm-hmm. not the God that they knew right, about. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. So I think all of these idols, I think yeah. this is what the passage yeah. is saying. Like mm-hmm. it, it will affect the third and the fourth generation. Right. Yeah. I mean, do you have any encouragement towards maybe parents, maybe in regard to family worship or. Yeah. So two sh- things. I mean, I would just say to parents, like the first thing, I mean, you even think of like Deuteronomy six, like, what does it say? Mm, right. These words shall be on your heart. Right. So the first thing I would say to parents is 
before thinking about parenting or wanting your children to, mm. um, you know, grow up in church or whatever, for you, first of all, you, your soul needs to be stirred toward the Lord. Your affection toward the Lord needs to be stirred. You know, I hear parents saying two things that really disturb me. One is, this is the church that I would like to go to, but I don't think it's the best church for my kids. Well, I would just say like, no, like you should go to the best church for you because ultimately the church is not responsible for discipling your kids. Go to the place Mm -hmm. where your soul is going to be most stirred toward the Lord. And then you're going to be a better parent and your kids are going to do better. The second thing I hear parents saying that I'm very troubled by is their kids are going to some church that's kind of a little wonky and they'll say, well, I'm just glad my kids are going to church. Well, don't say that. Like, if your church is passing off an idol uh, to your kids and naming it Jesus, that's actually more dangerous, in my opinion. I said this at the very end of the service. It's actually more dangerous, in my opinion, than if your kids were just worshiping Baal, if they were actually worshiping something that they named a false idol. And so we want, we should, as parents, desire gospel clarity in our lives so that we can then transfer gospel clarity into the lives of our of our children. And that would be, I think, my, my great encouragement. That's great. One last thought, and I know we wanted to keep these kind of short, but uh, please tell us if you're listening, if this is helpful for you. We, we may keep doing these. Um, but one last thought that I think is just a, in terms of if you're listening to this and you're trying to like take the message with you, the way that we concluded the message was this. The reason God doesn't want us to make idols the reason he's what doesn't want to make images is because he's given us the perfect image of himself in his son, Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the fullness of God in the man, Jesus Christ. And but what God is doing through his spirit is actually to conform us into the image of Christ. In a sense, God doesn't want make us making images because he is making us his image. He is conforming us, shaping us. Uh, pushing us, stirring us, growing us into the image of Christ. And that's Graham and Shannon and me. That's what God's calling us to be today. Are are you being a faithful representative of the character and the nature and the fullness in the word of God? That's great. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Shannon. If you're looking for more resources from Christ's covenant, you can go to christcovenant.com slash resources.